0: Verse 28 of chapter 13 of Luke. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And the people will come from all over the world, from the east and west, north and south, take their places in the kingdom of God, And note this, some who seem least important now will be greatest among them, and some who were great now will seem least important to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. We have been doing a series, and today is the conclusion of the series in diversity. As you came in this morning, you saw that our mantles have been outside now in what I call the rotunda. Where are the mantles? In the rotunda. We have a rotunda. Is that circle there in the, right, that, right outside those doors. That's the? That's where the, our mantles are hanging to remind us of the different lessons that we have received this month from the word of God. The first one we saw was the wonderful creation that God had made and how God made all things of all kinds. And it was? amazing the second teaching was the diversity nourishment no matter how people in china in mexico in puerto rico in the states in the south in the north in the west out in in the islands of wherever it is nourishing to them so god has not only prepared good food for all peoples but has prepared it in such a way that he also nourishes our souls and he nourishes our spirit through jesus christ our lord In our third lesson, we discovered the housings, the variety of housings, how God created housing for all sorts of animals, and yet how us, with our creative DNA from God, we have been able to also create from the amazing, simple little shack by the lake to the wonderful skyscrapers by South Beach. $3.4 million. Glass in the air. But it looks good. So we have been able to create those things. However, we learned that it is better to dwell a thousand days in the house of the Lord than just merely to live in this earth. Because the life in Christ is actually a better place to be than in just these houses and this physical stuff that we build. Our fourth lesson, which was last last week, we we learned that, uh, that we have outerwear and we had fun wearing our hats last week. Uh, Didn't we? It was fun to see people wearing hats. Again, uh, Ruth uh, ends up being the only one today with a hat. But last week, everybody was wearing hats, and Ruth felt very much at home when everybody was wearing hats. But that was to illustrate the diversity of wonderful things that God has given us in order of outerwear. But we discovered that the most important thing was not so much the outerwear, but the innerwear of putting on kindness, putting on peace, putting on love. Putting on mercy and forgiveness and live in the way Jesus lived. Ultimately, beloved, putting on Jesus. Today we want to finish this series and we want to be reminded of the great story that kind of encompassed it all. And it was Peter. When Peter was out there in the, in the house, in the roof, and he was hungry. He went into a trance and he saw this huge mantle that was put down before him three times. And, and, the, and the voice in the, in the vision said, kill and eat. And Peter, in, in, in my own way, he said, Uh uh-uh, uh, there's a Piggly Wiggly in there, and I ain't gonna eat that Piggly Wiggly because I'm a good Jew. <laughs> and the Lord told Peter, Do not call unholy what I have sanctified. And, Peter's fa- and Peter finds himself in the next couple of days going into the house of Roman centurion. That <gasps> he was not supposed to go in in any way, shape, or form to preach the gospel and tell the good news of Jesus Christ because it is all good as God created us of all kinds and it was good so Peter discovers that he is to change that he is to stretch his mind, that he is to stretch his faith, that he is to stretch his love, that he is to stretch his way of acceptance now the Lord is asking him don't only be nice to the Jews but be nice to the Gentiles, what? For centuries, those Gentiles have been stinkos. For centuries, we're not supposed to even eat what they eat. For centuries, we're not even supposed to even look at them. And them Samaritans forget it. I'd rather go four miles out of my way to have to go through their land. After all, they're not Jews. They're just a whole bunch of ethnics. Ethnos is the Greek word for Gentiles. So today I want to talk to you about the table. And the the table that that we see that God's spreading is actually a symbol of the kingdom of God. There is a table where we will gather. And I wonder how large that table is going to be because today tables, I have seen tables for two, right? When we go to the restaurant, we say, table for two. And they take away the the knives and and the flatware that was set there for four. I remember as I was a translator at the Organization of American States, it was a round table. And all 30-plus representatives would sit in a round table because it symbolized equality, it symbolized unity, and it symbolized that they could work together in this table. It reminds me of the old fable table in the legend of King Arthur and the, and the, and the knights that sat in the round table. So tables have their meanings. Tables have their purposes. Tables are set up so that people can look at each other without being one higher than the other. Howard, did you know that when you go to the White House, the president will always be sitting higher than everybody else? Did you know that his chair behind the desk is intentionally built two inches above everybody's chairs in the room, in the Oval Office? Yeah, it's true. I read it. I was a guy there. <laughs> and he's unintentionally so that he would sit above everybody else. But that's in his office. Tables, however, have a different symbolism and a different way of, 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 uh, of people reacting to them. When you sit in a table in Vegas, what does that mean? What are you going to do in Vegas if you sit on a table? They're going to play. So if you sit in a table where, where we are, you and I are, What are we going to do? We're going to converse. We're going to eat together. We're going to talk to one another. We're going to get to know one another. In a way, that is also play. When dignitaries and and diplomats sit at table, that is what they are doing. They are trying to play, to come to an agreement. But let me ask you this question. Who do you sit at table with? With whom do you always sit down? Do you always sit down with the same person? Sorry, husbands and wives. I heard the story of, of, of the guy who was retiring, and, and I think Judy may identify with that as her husband is, is coming near retirement, uh, and, and Roy, and, and he's coming to live back, and, and, and she's saying, hey, I married him for good and for worse, but not for lunch every day. You know, and, and that is a new aspect in our retirement living. It was for better, but not for lunch every single day. Are they the only people you sit with? Or can you stretch your table? You see, Jesus had troubles wherever he sat at tables. Because Jesus had this awful habit of of, of, and he had this awful reputation of sitting in the wrong table. Do you know that? Jesus has been accused in all four Gospels of sitting with loners, sitting with prostitutes, sitting with rejects, sitting with the downcast, sitting with those thieves like tax collectors. And in those sittings, in those parties, there were women who would come in and perform. And in those sittings and in those parties, in one instance, the disciples are not, some disciples are not with him and some are outside looking, picking in through the window. Because they wouldn't go in the house of those sinners, but they could pick. They're pipping toms. They were watching through. And, and the Pharisees and Sadducees asked the disciples, what's wrong with your master that he sits and he drinks with all the sinners inside that house? By the way, he was in Matthew's house when this incident took place. He had just called Matthew to abandon what Matthew was doing. And Matthew, I don't know what happened in Matthew's heart, but Matthew just got up and followed him and invited Jesus to a party in his house. And it wasn't a Christian party. And it wasn't a Jewish party. I'm going to dare to assume that it was more like a Roman party, because that's who he felt comfortable with, Matthew. He was working for them. So with whom do we sit? Whom do we actually relate with in our daily lives? Jesus had problems, and he was accused of being always with the sinners, always with these people who were not accepted in the society, who were not part of the homeowners, who were not part of the taxpayers. Who were not part of the consumers. In Psalm 23. We have an amazing table. That is laid before us. The psalmist says. You prepare a table in front of me and my enemies. Jesus was precisely demonstrating. And living prophetically that psalm. When he's sitting at table with these sinners. They used to be God's enemies. They used to be God's enemies. Like you and I at one time were God's enemies. And Now. Jesus is going into the table. Jesus is intentionally sitting with them and Jesus is proclaiming that by him sitting with them God is no longer angry with them. That by Jesus sitting with them the 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 enemy and the war that existed between God and sin is broken. That now you are accepted, that now you can live in peace with Jesus with God through Jesus Christ that this peace is actually everlasting. By sitting with them, Jesus was telling them that they were accepted, that they were forgiven, and that they were part of my group, Jesus was telling them. Who sits in your table? Are you willing to stretch your table? Do you sit exclusively with your own friends only? Or at times, if you're at a restaurant, a cafeteria, do you see a lonesome, downtrodden person who doesn't look perhaps as professional as we do or did? but looks sad, a stranger, a reject, an outcast. Are you willing to stretch your table? Are you willing to stretch the table that God is placing before us? You see, our text begins with this description of what's going to happen with people who are not from the kingdom. There, there's going to be, you know, sadness and, oh, my gosh, I thought I was okay, and I discover I was not okay. Because the biggest sin that we have in the church is not... So much judging of others. You know what it is? Judging yourself as self-righteous. I'm OK. they are wrong. I'm okay. They are wrong. I go to church. I don't curse. I carry a gun. Sometimes I get confused. You see, for Jesus, the table is the kingdom of God. Not only here on earth, but also in heaven. For Jesus, it is the great feast that he's going to talk about in the next chapter. A feast where everybody who was somebody was invited. But we all had excuses. We all had our agenda filled. We all had our things to do. Our lawns to mow. Our groceries to buy our friends to visit. But we could not go to this feast. So the Lord then called the, his servants and said, go get the prostitutes, go get the regents, go get the homeless, go get those who do not even expect to be invited and invite them to this feast. And they came because they were never expected to be invited. You see, if you're self-righteous, you think you belong. You think you are it. And when you're given the invitation, you may have the, 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 give yourself the privilege of saying no. Because, but those who are not expected to be invited, those who know they are not part of the clique, those who know and feel they don't belong with God in any way, shape, or form, they are the ones who, when invited, come to the table. Are you ready to stretch the table? Are we ready to stretch our imagination, our creativity? our faith and hospitality, not only our friendliness. Are we ready to stretch your influence in your neighborhood? Your influence amongst your neighbors. Are you ready to stretch your heart, make room for other people as God makes room for you? Because, beloved, you hear me, they're going to come from the north, which is that way. They're going to come from the south, just this way. They're going to come from the east, out there somewhere. And hopefully the west is still there. That's where I see the sun setting. They're going to come. They're going to come. Are you willing to stretch? Are you willing to make room? As we come to this 4th of July celebration this weekend... In closing, let me share this with you. That table that was set in that legendary evening or afternoon in November was a table that was stretched. The pilgrims, the Europeans that had come over, stretched the table and invited their Native American Indians. Or was it the Native American Indians who invited the Europeans? We don't know. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? They sat at table together. And we have the privilege in this country, being the only country in the world that has a holiday like that. To thank God for God's provision, for God's sustenance. And we sit at table on that wonderful day in November. That third Thursday, right? In November. And we thank God. And then watch football. But we thank God. We still thank God, and we stop. Will you make room in the table for your heart? Will you stretch the table? Help us stretch our faith, O Lord. Help us stretch our heart, O Lord. Help us accept others that are so close to us, O Lord. Thank you for inviting us to your table. Thank you for making us part of your table. Through Jesus Christ we thank you. Amen. And amen.